Well, if you have your Bible, get it out. We are going to be looking at Matthew chapter 6. We're going to be looking at verses 19 through 24. I want to give you just a brief recap of what we talked about last Wednesday and what we're going to be talking about tonight. Um, Last Wednesday... We taught through Matthew chapter 6, verses 1 through 4, which focuses on your motivation behind your generosity as a person and as a Christian. And we had an amazing discussion in our small groups um, based around this text. And tonight we're going to be looking at Matthew chapter 6, verses 19 through 24. And this is where Jesus begins to teach about your treasure and how to invest your resources. Now, Now, the investment of resources, he's not referencing like Bitcoin or like cryptocurrency or Dogecoin or anything like the stock market. That's not the type of investment that Jesus is talking about. Um, He's talking about uh, your investment um, and how you orient your life around your possessions and how you orient your life around the things in your life. And this text is, is referred as is part of what is referred to as the Sermon on the Mount. And in this sermon, uh, Jesus is breaking down and exposing the hypocrisy that had crept its way into the Jewish faith. And the Jewish faith, um, primarily, primarily being taught and promoted, had deviated from God's original design, and it had been infiltrated with false teaching. Specifically in Matthew chapter 5, this is what Jesus is doing. He's, he's speaking to the infiltration of this false teaching. And then in chapter 6, Jesus begins to focus on the individual and how they are motivated to please our Heavenly Father and how to build the kingdom of God. And so maybe for you, you when you read your Bible, you have a hard time understanding what's going on. I know that probably most of us could raise our hands. Um, and one of the things that we like to do at Bethel Youth is offer useful tools and resources to make studying the Bible a little less hard and a little bit more accessible. And so if you're using the YouVersion app to access your notes, um, you can scroll all the way to the bottom and you'll see a couple resources. There's two apps that I want to tell you about. The first app is called Bible Hub, and the second one is called Step Bible. And what these two different apps will do is you can, specifically in the Bible Hub app, you can look at a passage, and when you're looking at it, you'll see a bunch of words that are underlined. And those underlined words, you can tap those words, and it will show you Um, where that word, that specific word has been used uh, within the entirety of the Bible. It gives you the um, original language. It gives you a definition of what that word means in the context that it's being used in that passage. And I know for me, it's been extremely helpful to be able to look at a phrase or look at a word and be able to tap on that word and just get a deeper understanding of what this passage um, is is talking. Talking about, And so I would love for you to, to take a look at those two different apps, download them. We have provided the Apple App Store as well as the Google Play Store links to those different apps. Um, also, if you miss any of our sermons and you want to listen to them, you can go to um, our Spotify or um, our Apple or Google podcast um, 
uh, services, I guess you could call them. I'm not sure. Platforms, whatever. Type in Bethel YTH and you will find it. So as we get started, I want to ask a question that you have most likely been asked as a person a few times in your life. Um, If no one has personally asked you, you've probably thought about this question. So I want to get a couple of your answers to this. If you won the lottery, what would be the first two to three things that you would purchase? I'm going to give you a couple seconds, but if you won the lottery, what would be the first two to three things that you would purchase? Christian. I'm pretty sure that's illegal, but. Oh, okay. Got it. That's not how the law works. But yeah, Jesse, you'd buy a timeshare. Okay. Where would you buy a timeshare? Scotland, okay. Would you buy a kilt? No, that's Irish. Is that? No, it's Scottish. Anyways, all right, Jaden. A really nice recliner. Okay, I like it. Coleman. A what? A tank? Nice. That would be awesome. Yeah, go for it, Landon. A scholarship. There you go. There you go, Hunter. A bag of, that's a thing? Purple Jolly Ranchers. Okay. Yeah, we'll do you three right there. A what? A yacht? Nice. An old Bronco. Not the one of these new ones. Old ones. You'd buy shoes. Any specific shoes? Nice. Like Converse or Vans. All right, Bella. A Lamborghini. Okay, Josh, what would you buy? You'd buy a mansion. All right, last one. You'd get yourself into college. Those are all fantastic answers. Um, I would agree with almost all of those. Um, But it's always really, really fun to think about those questions. Um, Partly why it's so fun to think about those questions is because most of us will probably never be in that position. Like, even if you were to play the lottery, like, every day of your life, which I doubt you could afford to do that. Maybe you could. I don't know. But the thing is, is even if you played every day, you probably wouldn't win. The odds are definitely not in your favor. And so I think it's fun just to be dreaming about and thinking about what we would purchase if we won the lottery. Um, Surprisingly enough, this question actually illustrates what Jesus is teaching this crowd in Matthew chapter 6. So with this in mind, with, with money and copious amounts of money, I want you to think about that, and I want us to stand together as Emma Gomez comes to read our passage in Matthew chapter 6, verses 19 through 24 in the NIV. Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and rust destroy, and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where moth and rust do not destroy, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The eye is the lamp of the body. If your eyes are good, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eyes are bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light within your dark, with it, within you is darkness, how great is that darkness? No one can serve two masters. Either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Awesome. Thank you. This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. Interestingly enough, 
if you, if you read this passage, Jesus is not condemning wealth. Jesus is not against wealth. And it's a fairly, actually, it's a fairly widespread belief to equate following Jesus to poverty automatically. But here's the question. Is that true? Is Jesus against a person accumulating wealth? Is Jesus against a Christian, a person who claims to follow Jesus? Is he against them uh, amounting um, a lot of money for themselves? In verses 19, shh, you're getting ahead of us. In verses 19 through 21, Jesus, is, Jesus references the things that you accumulate in life. And he says, he talks about how those things don't last forever. And he actually talks about how to properly store up things that matter. And then in verse 22, he talks about um, what you focus on um, and what you focus on can determine who or what is in charge of your life. And so if you were to summarize that first section, verses 19 through 21, you could summarize it this way. The destination of our treasure matters. So Jesus is presenting a dichotomy between working your whole life to gain things here on earth And then the other side is working your whole life, investing into what is is eternal. And these two ideas are at the core of every human being. No matter what type of house you live in, no matter what possessions you may have. And you actually don't even have to be wealthy um, to have an unhealthy view or even a sinful view of money. And something that's really interesting is that Jesus spoke about money often, but money wasn't necessarily always the main focus of his teachings when he references money. But here's the interesting thing. Jesus often used money as an illustration to talk about bigger things. So for example, in Matthew chapter 19, Jesus is teaching about salvation. There's a guy um, that comes to him and poses a question, and the Bible uh, describes this man as the rich young ruler. So when he's posed this question of what must I do to be saved, Jesus says this in Matthew 19, 24. He says, it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for someone who is rich to enter the kingdom of God. It's easier for a camel to go through an eye of a needle than it is for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. And maybe you know your Bible reasonably well. Perhaps you know that Paul said in 1 Timothy chapter 6 that the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. So we hear this. We hear that money, the root of the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. We, we read what Jesus said in Matthew 19, that it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of the needle than it is for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. And we hear that and we might push back against what Jesus says in Matthew 19. He says that um, it, to the rich man that he would have a hard time entering the kingdom of God. Paul said that it was the love of money that is evil. But what if these two statements aren't opposed to one another? Because it seems as if they might be opposed. It's like, well, he's rich and he, he's going to have a hard time entering the kingdom of God. Uh, Paul says, well, if you love your money, if you, if you love those things, then you, it, it's, it's evil, And so how do those things work out together? What if the love of money and the overwhelming allure of wealth and influence are both evil? Like what if it is the love? What if it's the constant 
pull and drive of what drives your life is wealth and influence. Jesus doesn't say it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man who loves his money more than anything to enter the kingdom of God. What if Jesus is presenting a heart condition that can develop when when a person acquires influence and power and that influence and power aren't left in check? What What if Jesus is warning us about the power that money can have in our lives? And money can cause us to do and can cause a person to do some pretty absurd things. How many of you guys watch Mr. Beast on YouTube? I'm sure Mr. Beast came up in your small groups last week if you were here as well. Um, If you've ever watched a Mr. Beast video, you will see that people will go through ridiculous things in order to win money. The last person to take their hand off of a Lamborghini gets to keep it. Um, The last person to take their hand off of this boat that's in the water gets to keep the boat. Um, If you do any of these things, if you've watched these videos, you know that this is true. Um, On social media, you've seen questions that are like, would you punch your mom in the face for $1 million? You know? (laughs) Oh my gosh, Coleman. Wait till your mom hears this and hears you say that. But it's interesting when you see these videos and you look at these questions, they they reveal extremes that we will go through in order to receive money or influence. And this wasn't new to the crowd that Jesus was teaching. In that area, the ancient Egyptians, you probably learned about this in history, they believed very strongly that what you accumulate in your life here on earth would benefit you in the afterlife. They believed this so much that they would have their possessions buried with them when the pharaohs uh, would be buried. That's why it's so incredible to uncover these, these tombs in Egypt because it's just full of gold and jewels and shiny stuff. Yeah, there's so much. I think I have two more pictures. Do I have two more, Maisie? There's a dead person. Um, but there's just, that's why it's so exciting to uncover these. But even us as Americans, we do weird stuff like this too. Here are some of the things that people have been buried with. Arch West, the inventor of Doritos, died at 97 in 2011. The Los Angeles Times blog reported that the family planned to sprinkle Doritos in the grave before the urn was buried. Sandra Eileen West was buried sitting in the driver's seat um, of her 1964 Ferrari 330 wearing her favorite lace nightgown. David Keim, his funeral procession stopped at his favorite fast food place, Burger King, and everyone got a hamburger for the road. Even David got a burger placed on his coffin before it being lowered into the ground. Look at that guy. William Wise, he was a Civil War Confederate major. He was buried with his horse, his favorite hunting dog, and a sword. And he was convinced that he was going to hell and wanted to track down and kill Satan. It's kind of humorous, right? It's kind of humorous the things that we think are so important. And it's kind of ridiculous to think about being buried with Doritos, being buried in your favorite car. (laughs) What? There you go. It's extreme to believe that you are so tied to those things that you would need to be buried with them. Although you obviously know where I'm going with this, but 
It's funny, extreme examples, but those aren't too far off of how we practically live our day-to-day lives. So if you look at the core of some of those things, you'll see that their inventions, the things that they have accomplished were so important to them that they saw it as normal, maybe normal, um, to place them in the grave with them. I don't know what the reason they put them in their grave. Maybe they thought they could enjoy them in the afterlife. They saw their achievements as so vital that they were sprinkled with them. I wonder what flavor of nachos or Doritos that he was sprinkled with. (laughs) They saw what their hard work had earned them. They saw that as so necessary that they were buried inside of it. And it's easy to look at these pictures and think of these examples and automatically say, man, I know where their treasure was. And you could say that this is what Jesus meant when he used the term treasure in our text. It's not just your money. It's also your desires. It's also your thoughts that can be stored up. And in Matthew chapter 6, Jesus is saying it is better to give to the needy with the right motivation than it is to work your whole life and to gain for yourself. The Apostle Paul in Acts chapter 20, verse 35, he said this, And everything I did, I showed you that by this kind of hard work we must help the weak, remembering the words of Lord, the Lord Jesus himself. It is more blessed to give than to receive. Stephanie Englehart said this about Acts 20. When Jesus says our giving is more blessed, he's telling us that there is more happiness or joy to be found in God when we give rather than when we receive. So here's the question. What does that look like for you and me? What does it look like for us to lay up our treasures here on earth? And a lens that you could look through is, do I place blank above my relationships with people or with Jesus? Do I place relationships, whether they're romantic or non-romantic, do I place those things above Jesus? And those are, those are just two examples, and I, and I think the answer to this question of where do I lay up my treasure here on earth, I think the answers could be just all over the place in a room with this many people in it. What I will say is really what Jesus said. He said the world is temporary. The things in this world are temporary. Money is temporary. Your house, no matter how nice it is, it's temporary. Your job, it's temporary. And I think the kind of the thing that we need to focus on is we have to focus more of our attention on what is eternal than what is temporary. And as you can see, that the destination of your treasure dramatically determines what you focus on in life. If we were to read back through 22 through 24, we could summarize it this way. What you focus on determines the God of your life. Jesus was saying this. He says, the eye is the lamp of the body. If your eyes are healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eyes are unhealthy, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness? No one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. So Jesus is speaking in a metaphor. He uses your eye 
as an example of what you allow into your heart and what you allow in, into your mind and what you focus on. And I don't know if this is true about everyone, but I, I spend um, probably more time than I should looking at products. You guys ever do this? You watch YouTube videos about Amazon, random Amazon products that you need or Instagram reels. It's like Amazon um, accounts and things like that. I spend a lot of time looking at products. And when I do that, I don't know if you experience this too, but you have a really overwhelming impulse to buy those things that you're looking at, right? You watch, I watched this one guy. Um, his name is Random Frank P. And he's like, you guys ever watch him? Oh, you laughed like you did. He talks about like cool tech under 50 for $50 for the month of May or whatever. And there's like five different things. And I leave that video and I was like, I need all five of those. And you're like, dude, Taylor, you don't even like game on a PC. Like, why would you need any of that? I'm like, I don't know. It was really cool looking. And I, I could really use those things. But it's really interesting. There's RGB lights. <laughs> yeah. But it's interesting of how when you spend lots of time researching, watching reviews, and this is what I do. I'm, I want to make sure that I'm buying the best product that I can that will fit my needs within my budget. I'm looking at lift kits for my Subaru, ski pants, skis, clothes, tools, you name it. I'm sp when I'm spending a lot of time looking at these different things, I have this overwhelming desire that I need these things. But the interesting thing is, is if I take a step back, I take a break for a few days, my desire for those things eventually dwindles, and I don't feel this overwhelming sense of urgency to buy these different things. Um, I don't know if you guys listen to podcasts, but I do, and one of the podcasts that I listen to is the Minimalist Podcast. Um, and one of, they, one of the things that they say, one of their rules is um, they put something in their Amazon account, and then they don't touch it, and they come back in one week. And then they take an honest evaluation of their entire Amazon cart and they will evaluate whether or not they actually need the thing that is in their cart. And he said, most of the time what happens is I delete most things out of my Amazon cart because when I added them to the cart, I felt this overwhelming sense that I needed these things and this was going to fulfill me and it was going to somehow, air quote, complete me as a person. But oftentimes he just ends up buying laundry detergent <laughs> or like just the necessities and not the extra things. And the minimalists are, are not Christians and I don't condone everything that they say, but their philosophy of how to view things seems to be very adjacent to biblical standards. They teach a message of living a life of less and of contentment. The Apostle Paul speaks to contentment in Philippians 4. Paul is talking about how through the generosity of others and through the empowerment of the Holy Spirit, he has learned to live with little and with much. He says this in verses 11 through 13. He says, I'm not saying this because I am in need, for I have learned to be content whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need. I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. I can do all of this through him who gives me strength. And so if you look at these themes throughout the whole entire New Testament, you can conclude that Jesus is saying this. If, you focus, if your focus is on loving God and loving people, you will live a life of fullness. 
But if your focus is on money, possessions, and achievement, your life will feel empty. You'll be searching and longing for something that will bring you fulfillment deep within your soul. So what you focus on truly matters. The things that you orient your life around matters. And often when we, we try to justify um, our, our busy schedules, our pursuit of our careers, or our pursuit of sports as legitimate reasons to not be engaged in the local church. But Jesus is saying you are living with your priorities out of line. You live for your schedule and not let Jesus shape your schedule. So really it boils down to verse 24. You cannot serve both God and money is what Jesus says. You cannot serve both God and yourself. One writer put it this way, the call to godliness goes against our sinful nature. Only with the help of the Holy Spirit can we remain devoted to one master. So I want to leave you with one final thought before we go into our small groups, and it's this. The destination of our treasure and the focus of our life determines the God we serve. So if you read verses 19 through 24, This is kind of the main theme that you will gather. The destination of your treasure and the focus of our life determines the God we serve. So we're going to go into our small groups. We're going to talk about um, this topic and this theme. And we have a few questions that we want you and your small groups to talk through. And so um, we're going to dismiss right now into our small groups. The guys are in the back of the room. The girls are in the front. High school is on this side of the room. Middle school is on this side of the room. And your small group leader will dismiss you when we are finished.